0: Well, I have a word for you today, and this is part three. In fact, this part three was really, in my mind, part one, and then the Lord had some things to say uh, for part one and part two. So if you want to go ahead and listen to this on the podcast, I'd encourage you to, um, I know that. Many have listened to it outside the church and are encouraged, but sometimes, you know, we we hear it, we're here in person, and then it's easy to say, I already heard it. But I believe the Lord actually laid a strong foundation in part one and part two for what I'm about to speak today. So this is part three, in God's hands. I want you just to testify, I'm in God's hands. Who believes it? Who believes you are in His hands? Right? He has the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. The Lord is fully in control, but the devil is lying to you right now to try to convince you that God is not in control. When there's chaos and everything's in disarray, then you know the enemy can come in sneakily, right? And he'll try to get these thoughts into your brain that, that God is not in control. Look, look. God's not in control. How could God possibly be real? Look at all the chaos. Look at all the disorder, right? And it is a lie from the enemy right now. And so the Lord is calling us to be his people and to realize that he is, uh, he is moving. He is doing something. Uh, it is for his glory, and it is for your good. Amen. I want to just get right into this, and I just want us to look... At these scriptures we've been springboarding from. I'm going to read them again, but go ahead again. I encourage you, go ahead and listen to part one and part two of this podcast because it does lay a strong foundation for today. So, just quickly, we looked in part one and two, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. It just tells us don't be surprised. Say, I just want you to say it out loud. I don't know why I'm always surprised. Who's surprised? right? now, you like me? I'm always surprised, and the Word told me not to be surprised. I'm sure that God knew what he was doing when he had Peter write these words down 2,000 years in advance, because he's like, Adam's gonna need this. He's always surprised. I don't know why. I've been telling him for 2,000 years, don't be surprised. Amen. It says as though something strange were happening, all right? And I want you to say this out loud right now. It's not strange that I'm in a trial. It's strange when Christians don't go through trials. Wow. That's a great sermon. That'll, I bet you that would have a million hits on YouTube. Probably not. Nobody wants to think this way. No one wants to talk this way, but this is real Christianity. And I want to show you this is real-life Christianity. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. It says, we can rejoice Everybody say, I'm rejoicing. I'm in joy, right, in my problems and trials. It says, for we know that they help us develop endurance and, or perseverance. And this, verse 4, says it develops character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Who wants character, right? Who is raising a child to have character? Right? Are you raising your children to lack character? Or are you raising them for character? Of course, then God, the good Father, is raising us for character. And ultimately, it says that our confident hope of salvation in Him actually grows and increases. Well, we just read this as a church this week Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. It says, Patient endurance is what you need now. I feel like the Lord was saying that to us live. This is a 2,000-year-old verse, and it is a verse for us this Sunday. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. And everybody say then. You know what? Can we just raise our hands and just testify? Because you know, We are not going through things just to go through them. This is not a sadistic process the Lord is putting us through. Let's just testify. I'm looking forward to the then. Who's looking forward to the then? Anybody in here looking forward to the then? Then you will receive all that he has promised. Why would you go through it if you're not looking forward to the finish line, like Paul says, eternity? is waiting for you. There are many gifts and things that we can't even understand. Jesus said to the disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. You know that there's a place that the Lord is preparing for you in eternity. That's amazing. And that should encourage us. And what's encouraging us to do is that, okay, Lord, well, I'm here right now, and I know that I'm going to receive it. I know that's where I'm headed. So, Lord, help me to endure, because, Lord, I want to do your will. Amen. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 8. What did we read last week? We looked at this last week. In Deuteronomy 8, it says that God led them through the wilderness on purpose, that it wasn't flippant. You know, I I want to say it again. I said it in week 1 and week 2, and I heard a preacher say this as well. You know, God doesn't really need to lead us into the wilderness because we lead ourselves into wildernesses all the time, right? We put ourselves in positions all the time. God doesn't really even need to, but I want you to know this. I want to take all the condemnation away. It doesn't matter if you put yourself there, if the devil puts you there, or if God puts you there. It's all for the same purpose, amen, which is what? Right? We, we 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 read it in Peter. We're not gonna we don't have time to put it on the screen today. But what happens? The fires get heated up, right? Come on, what happens? Doesn't matter how that fire got started. All right, I did it, the devil did it. Oh, the Lord's doing it. Why? To get the junk up, get it to be exposed in me, and let him take it, let him remove it. So the Bible says God did it on purpose, it's not an accident. God uses Everything you go through, all right? So don't be condemned, but if you've sinned and put yourself there, then just repent for, the, for you know, putting yourself in that position and move on. It doesn't mean that the wilderness will end instantly, but let God use it to grow you. Amen. That's what it says it does. You're going to come out with character. No matter how you got into that situation, you're going to come out with character. You're going to come out with a stronger relationship in Christ. And what does the Bible say? It says in Deuteronomy 8, it just says that he did it to humble us and to prove our character. And it says that he let us go hungry, but then he fed us. Amen. Let's just hear that again. God let you go hungry, but he doesn't just make you suffer. He's always, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, right? Verse 13, right? There's always, there is always what you need in your situation. That when you get into the situation, whatever it is, God is there with you. It's not that he doesn't allow it. See, sometimes we're surprised because we say to God, why did you let this happen? And that's the wrong question. The right question is, God, what do you want me to learn from this situation? God, how can I know you in a greater way in this situation? God, how can your glory shine brighter in me and through me in this situation? Amen. That's the right questions. Because my Bible says that God allows it. Why? It says he did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What is God trying to do in us today? The same thing he was doing in Deuteronomy. He did it to humble them, to test them. It says, verse 16, for their own good. Just as it's for my good, it's for your good. So that, verse 17, you'll never say, I did this all in my strength. Look at me. Look what I've achieved. Look at my wealth. Look at my success. Verse 18, because it was the Lord who gave you every ability. He gave you everything, even the breath in your lungs. Even the breath in your lung that curses God was given to you by God. What is God getting us to the place, just like he was getting them to to the place in Deuteronomy? The place of true and utter dependence upon God. What God was teaching them and what he's teaching us in everything that we go through is that you have no strength without him. You have no abilities without him. Even like I just said, even the breath that you're breathing in and out is a gift from God. And it's amazing that God... I'll tell you what, I have never seen a time like this in history, although YouTube didn't exist before. So, you know, it's hard to compare because we're in a technological age, but I have never seen so much. Oh my gosh. So much fighting about every single issue going on in the world today. It is unbelievable. And uh, what's amazing is, is that each and every one of those people cursing God, hating God, defending their rights against God, are using the utilities and the abilities and the oxygen that God provided. It's, It's just, we need to come to this revelation. So that's what God does. He allows us to get to this revelation. Come on, who wants a revelation? Who wants to know God better? wants to know him more? That's what we're going to look at today. So the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, verse 1, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. What I love about this is, you know, um, I know we don't do this in this church, but some people divide the Old Testament from the New Testament, and they say that's Old Testament theology, you know, Christ did it, so you don't have to. That's not true. Here, here we see in 1 Corinthians, he's going to go to the Old Testament just like we should do as believers, and the two are meant to be connected together. There is no dividing line. Just remember the Bible wasn't even put together until 300 AD, it was a bunch of scrolls. It was never meant to have this hard dividing line, okay? Jesus never intended it, nor did the disciples. Nor did Paul here writing these things. He's saying, I'm telling you, what happened back then is applicable for us today. Amen. Who believes it? I know I don't have to fight with you guys here in the church, but maybe somebody listening needs to just, just be reminded that, oh, we don't need to suffer, Pastor. You're off. You talk too much You know about that. We don't, you know, that suffering's not for us. He says, I want you to think about them, what they went through, and I just want you to meditate For a moment, he says, all of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. And verse 3, they all ate this spiritual food. They all ate manna. And verse 4, they all drank from the same spiritual water. And it says, you know, the rock, he was pointing to Christ. He's even bringing some revelation in here, saying it was, you know, it was a physical rock, but it was pointing to us in the future, pointing to us eating and drinking from Christ. Verse 5 Yet God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Am I preaching that to you to condemn you today? Just tell me no, because that's not what I'm doing. Why did he say to do it? He said, I want you to remember these guys. Why would I tell my children to remember something? Is it just to say, I just want you to remember what a fool your ancestors were. Why would I do that? But I might tell him, you know, I made mistakes when I was younger. And I want to encourage you that you don't make the same mistakes. What he's telling us is, is they, didn't, they missed some things in the wilderness that we, li- we can learn from them. Learn from their example and grow from it. Amen. Praise God. I just praise the Lord. He is speaking to my heart today. He's preaching to me. Then it talks about all these evils that they did. They got into sexual morality and they got into idol worship. But it says something so interesting. (laughs) This is amazing. God's like, I want you to learn from them in the wilderness. They were scattered in the wilderness. I killed them. Verse 10 Some of them grumbled and complained, and then they were destroyed by the angel of death. Wow. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, reviewing, just telling us, hey, just don't forget what happened to the children of Israel. God was with them. He was giving them food. He was giving them water, and they just wouldn't submit to him. And so they went and started doing things their own way. And you're like, yeah, well, no wonder God judged them because they started, you know, sexual immorality. Of course God judged them. And then they're worshiping idols. Of course God would judge them. And then it says, and don't grumble and complain Grumble and complain was a, was a capital offense. <laughs> Listen, to God, grumbling and complaining was a capital offense. And I'm going to show you why today, and we're going to be encouraged in this service. We're not going to be, we're not leaving this place with weights. We're going to lift it, give it to the Lord. We're going to be free in Him. Praise God. It says, verse 11, What I was just saying a moment ago, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. I'm not here, again, I'm not going to fight, but man, to the people that have drawn the hard line from the Old Testament to New Testament, they should read verse 11, maybe a few more times. Right, Dan? You know, the Bible says, and I just want to look at one of the examples, because I really want to, I want to preach on two things joined together today. So I just want us to very quickly, I want you to look with me at Numbers chapter 11. Let's go back and let's look at what Paul was referring to They're complaining. Who knows they complain many times? Who's been reading through with the Bible plan with us? And if you haven't just been reading with us, who's aware of the story of the children of Israel? Let's just very quickly review. God comes in. He meets Moses in a burning bush. Never happened before. Kind of miraculous. And then he sends this 80-year-old guy. Okay? 80 was old back then, too. He went back and delivered the people of Egypt by the power of God. We're talking... You know, not just the Red Sea splitting, but we're talking hail over here and not here. You know, water turned to blood. All of their firstborn cattle and sons were spared, and yet all the cattle, firstborn and sons, died in Egypt. I mean, they saw incredible, miraculous things that God did in their life. I want to encourage you, just as I I continue to review their story, I want you to begin to just meditate on all of the things that God has miraculously done. The times he has spared you, the times he has protected you, the times he has freed you. Amen, right? And on and on. And so then he takes them through the Red Sea. They come out immediately into the dry, arid desert. And what happens? As they're there, they're standing there at the Red Sea before it's split. They're already complaining. Oh my gosh, here comes the Egyptian army. They're coming to kill us. God then not only leads them through, then he kills all of the most most elite army in the world at the time, is instantaneously drowned in the sea. And here comes these nobodies, You know, these nomads, I mean, these slaves who had never fought a battle in their life. And here they come out, triumphant warriors. They defeated an army, an incredible army in a supernatural feat. And then they say, God, why did you lead us to this dry, arid place? Before we judge them, how many times has God delivered us and given us a miracle And the very next time that you are in a tough spot, we do the same thing. We just forget all that God has done for us. And that's why complaining was such a big deal. What they were telling God without words is, I don't like the way you're leading my life. What they were saying without words is, we're going to just read this here. But I like it better in slavery. Because, yes, your relationship wasn't there. And yes, I didn't have the freedom to not be a slave. But I like, I like the system that I had everything I needed when I needed it. Wow. Wow. You know, we get saved and we just think it's going to be Yellow Brick Road. And it's just the opposite. You need to realize you were on the Yellow Brick Road. Now you're in the woods. And there's like weird monkey demon things trying to pick you up. I always thought that movie was demonic. Everybody's like, oh, it's such a good movie. Such a great, it's such, you know, it's an epic. It's only because it's old. We just give it grace because it's old. But really, you got a witch sending demons out to pick up people. Kind of dark. But that's what the enemy's trying to do to you. That is, it is an actual picture. That's more accurate. You're not on the yellow brick road. The Bible says they got into that place. Come on, we know the end of the story from the beginning. God was going to give them water, wasn't he? Was God going to starve them? Of course not. They don't know that yet, but they should know that yet. You guys get what I'm trying to say here. We don't know how God's going to deliver us, but we need to say, God, I don't know how, but I've seen you do it before, so I know you're going to do it again. That's what they needed to say. But the Bible says, Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. And the Lord heard everything they said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Then they screamed to Moses for help. The Lord prayed I mean, he prays, the Lord stops it. Verse 3, uh, it says that there was this place of burning, verse 4. It says, then the foreign rabble, and this is its own sermon in itself. I don't have time, but I'll just tell you very quickly. You know, we don't know who these people were, but we think this could have been uh, Egyptians that decided to go with with e- uh, Israel. They were like, you know what? Here's my chance. I don't want to, this place is pretty dark now. I'm going with you. It could have been other slaves of other nations they took captive, we're not quite sure, but there were some foreigners in there and the Bible says that the influences of the world these were not Israelites. The Bible says here that outside influences Come on, the world is going to be the first to complain. The Christians should be the last to complain. We should be last To murmur and complain. The world's very quick. As soon as something doesn't go their way, I've said it many times, you know, no one believes in God. The only time you hear God coming out of their mouth is an expletive. Right? This is not a swear word, but I'm going to say a swear word. They say, God damn this thing. God damn this person. I'm not swearing. I'm just, you know. And then... When it happens, then they blame God. As soon as something goes wrong, God, why did you do this? That's the world. All right. That's to be expected. We shouldn't, we're not judging them. We're loving them. We're praying for them. Amen. A Christian is different. The moment that things go wrong, we just say, Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I know it's really hard. I'm living, I'm learning it, I'm living it too. We're all living in this together. But the Bible says, verse 4 the, the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free. For free? And Jeannie brought this to our Bible study the other day, too. This is just the Lord's saying some things consistently in this time. What do you mean for free? Did you just forget the beatings daily? Have you forgotten the daily beatings? Have you forgotten that they took your two-year-old children and younger and tossed them to their death? Did you forget that? What do you mean for free? We're so quick to think the grass is greener on the other side, aren't we? Nothing has changed. Grass is always greener on the other side. It's always like, man, the good old days. It was so good back then. I just heard someone say, you don't know you're in, you don't know it was the good old days until they're gone. Now you're somewhere else, right? Now things aren't going your way. The Bible says here that they began to complain about these things, and then they said, but our, we had all that we wanted. All we had to do was just submit ourselves in slavery to Satan in this world. All I had to do was just be a good little soldier for Satan. I just went to work, got drunk after work, slept it off throughout the weekend, went back to work. Man, I, life was good. Then I had everything I needed. Then I turned to the Lord, and what's going on? And it says, our appetites are gone. And this is what's strange. God was not depriving them at this moment. In fact, he was giving them angel food cake. (laughs) It says, all we ever see is this manna. Can you imagine complaining? You want cucumbers instead of cake. Anybody in here prefer a cucumber over cake or whatever? Do you realize they call it angel food, cake, right? It's made, you know, it's that little white cake is not manna. But it was called that because of the way that the Bible describes it. White, flaky, fluffy, right? That they turned it into a bread. It's the food that the angels ate. So God delivers them miraculously. The Bible says their clothes don't wear out, their shoes don't wear out, they're thirsty, there's water from a rock, they're hungry. He's like, I'm going to give you a food. The Bible says that, that God fed Elijah, right? And he ran for 40 days straight. My, my, I'm right, right? Dan, that's the story? Yeah. 40 days straight eating manna. So this is some spectacular <laughs> bread to get sick of. Isn't it amazing? We don't count our blessings. We need to turn around and count our blessings. We need to look and say, God, I could not believe all that you've done for me. In the next few minutes, I really want to talk about Paul and what he went through. But I I was meditating this morning. I'm so embarrassed. I'm actually, I'm, I'm utterly embarrassed to talk about him. You know why? Because... We're going to talk about his suffering. We have not even seen this much of what Paul went through. So when I talk about him, and I'm going to encourage us that whatever we're going through, we're all going through something that the Lord's with us. You know, this guy, I, I mean, just we're just going to touch the surface here. But what he went through for the Lord and how the Lord was with him, we have been through nothing in comparison. We're going to learn from him. Amen. The Bible says... The Bible says that in Philippians 2, verse 14, do everything without complaining and arguing. In fact, Deuteronomy 28 says, serve the Lord with joy and enthusiasm. If you don't, you're going to serve your enemies. And the Bible's really telling us that this dissatisfaction, the frustrations when we're going through something, when we don't recognize God in it, We're actually doing a disservice to us. We're also hurting God. And in fact, you're ruining a testimony that God's trying to build in you and through you. There's just so much. I don't want to get any more into it. But the Bible says this. Let's look now. And I'm going to join these two thoughts together. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Who's getting anything out of this? The Bible says 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Paul was... An incredible individual. He really was. He was so zealous. He just had misguided zeal. So the Lord redirected his zeal to him. And he didn't quit. He's instantly, he's literally preaching within moments of having the scales fall off off his eyes and never stops the rest of his life. And this is what it said. He said, I spent, I got to the place with the Lord where my relationship was so deep. I knew the Lord so well. I knew the word so well. I was so close with God. He said, I had such wonderful revelations. He says in verses previous, we just don't have time for that. He, he doesn't know if he was in the body or out of the body, but he, saw, he actually went into heaven. And he said, I heard things I can't even talk about on the earth. He said, but to keep me from becoming proud. What's the opposite of proud? We've been talking about this a lot. Humble, humility. What did God do in the wilderness? He humbled them on purpose. Why? Is it just to show? God was not putting his foot on on them and just saying, I just want you to know I'm God. That's not what he was doing, what he was teaching them was, I'm God. We can look at that as a harsh thing, or we can look at that as a, wow, this is incredible. I'm God, and I will do everything for you, but I need you to realize that you must rely on me. And so Paul got to the place, come on, and there's a lot of people that get a lot of revelation, get a lot of knowledge, and we have seen them go off, and we just pray for them. We don't judge them, but we pray for them. This is why God did what he was about to do, For Paul, to protect him. Everybody say, God is trying to protect me. This life is so quick, it's so short. If your child was running for the road and there was a car coming, if you had to grab them by the arm and literally dislocate their shoulder and they fall and they break their nose on the pavement in order to keep them from hitting the car, you would do it. And you would Now the child is like, why did you just grab me, dislocate my arm, and break my nose? That's all you see, is what we think God is doing to us, but what we don't see is the enemy was plowing towards us to destroy us, and actually the Lord protected us. That's what's happening many times in our trials and tribulations, is the Lord is actually humbling us so we're reminded again that He's God. It puts our focus back. It puts our priorities back. It puts our eyes back on heaven, puts our eyes back on Christ and off of the temporary things of this earth. I love when the Lord blesses us here. I love when He gives us peace here. I love when He, you know, He shows Himself strong here in the earth, but this is a temporary, just a tiny little glimpse of eternity. And the Bible says that Paul was in this place with God, and he said, I had this thorn in my flesh. And I think it's interesting. I had never thought about it, until so I went to go study it again for this sermon. And, you know, Christ had thorns too, didn't he, in his flesh? Because, you know, Paul, he's—and we're going to just look at some of the verses just very, very quickly, just breezing through some of the things he says be outside of this scripture— about him joined together with Christ and his suffering. And the Bible says we don't know if it was physical. You know, some people uh, have interpreted it as a, like a pain in the ear. Maybe it was a pain in the eye. There's different interpretations, different studies, whether it was just something spiritual, maybe even just a weight, a pressure, an oppression, something that he didn't like. Everybody just say there's something I don't like. And what do we do when we don't like something and we're believers? We do what Paul did. We don't complain, we don't murmur, right? Because we're relying on what? His grace. But the Bible says, so instead of complaining, instead of murmuring, he prayed. Everybody say, instead of complaining, he prayed. Now, before I finish this verse, I want to say this. Pray consistently. Pray constantly. Let God know your requests and needs. And once we've begun to pray and trust God, then we must continue to trust Him. We must come to the conclusion that if I haven't seen the breakthrough or the need met yet, then I have to keep believing. But I want to define believing today. We must believe that God is in control, that God has a plan and that he knows what's best. So the things I haven't seen yet are coming or, come on, the things I haven't seen yet are coming or God has a better way. His better way might seem like torture to you But that's where we must have faith in God, and not only when everything has gone our way. That's the type of prayer Paul is doing. I needed to say that, because sometimes, you know, I was just meditating as well, that as Christians, especially if we've been born and raised in it, or you've been a believer a long time, you can't help it, but we say phrases, we say words, we say scriptures, and they come attached with teachings. And you can't even help it. It's, just how, you, it's just, the, just how you were raised. And I just wanted to say, sometimes we think, well, you know, that was just Paul. It's just something he went through. You know, just something we don't understand, and you don't have to worry about that. You know, that was just him, and that was just during the Bible times. All those times have ceased and passed. And, and the Bible says here that he did what I do, and I believe you do, when you're going through trials and tribulations, is you pray. But I pray, Lord, deliver me. And and guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going to pray the same way. And if I haven't seen it yet, I'm going to keep praying that way till I die. But if I don't see what I've been praying for, we must have faith in God and not faith in the answer. Let me give you an example. Imagine your child says, Dad, you have the ability. I just turned 16. Buy me a Ferrari. Now you love your child, and their request is valid in the sense that they want transportation. They want to be able to get to where they want to get to, and they know you have the means. If you were a good father, would you do that or not? See, sometimes we think, well, God hasn't answered my prayers, and we try to come up with all these answers. You don't need to. There might be some things you can't even understand yet because how many 16-year-olds are going to understand when I say you're not ready for that? Of course they think they're ready for that. How many adults now you were not ready and you shouldn't have one as an adult either? <laughs> Whenever I get in something fast, I just can't help it. I'm like, I can't drive this. I can't be in this car. It's just not, it's not good for me. So he prayed like that, Okay. And then he said, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. This is very interesting because we have, now we have a common theme here. We have a thorn. Jesus had the thorns in his skull. And we have this three prayers. Jesus prayed three times to the Lord. I've got to say something else. I didn't know what we'd have time for. Just listen, just, I'm gonna just read it. Jesus healed all and even Lazarus from the dead three days after his death. But when he asked the Father that the cup of his suffering would pass from him, God did not answer that prayer. But because God never fails us and he hears every prayer, God the Father allowed Jesus to die for his purpose and our gain. Then, everybody say then. Then when his purpose was complete, God raised Jesus from the dead, never to suffer ever again, and in fact, he is seated on his throne over everything forever. So now here's Paul. Is Paul greater than Christ? Is Paul's faith greater than Christ? If Jesus prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me, and the Lord said no, then it's certainly plausible that he would say it to one of his human servants, like Paul and like me. It says, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. And verse 9 says, and each time he said, my grace, you might know it as, is sufficient. It's more than enough. My grace is all you need. What was he telling Paul? Was he saying, Paul, I like watching you squirm? Was he saying, Paul, don't worry, you're going to get through it. It's going to be okay. Maybe that's something a human would say. What he was saying to Paul is, Paul, I know you don't like this. I don't like it either. You think the Lord was happy when he watched his son suffer on the cross? The Lord's not happy when he sees us squirm and suffer. But he says, Paul, you have so much revelation, and I want to protect you. I'm going to allow this, because what does it cause you to do? Come on, this is, this is so easy. This is like children's church right now. When we're having a good time on vacation, our Bible gets left at home. When you're having some real trials and tribulations, you can't even, you're praying while you're sleeping. You don't even finish opening your eyes, and you're like, oh, Lord, please help me. It's really easy. So sometimes it does not mean We don't know if it was forever, the rest of his life. We're not, you know, we don't know. It doesn't tell us. Maybe it was a season. I don't know. All I know is the Lord said, I'm going to protect you, Paul, but I'm going to do it by supplying my strength in place of yours. Who wants, who would rather have, who wants your strength? I want God's strength. So as we bring it to a close, look at what he said to him. He said, Each time he said, my grace is all you need. And look at what it says here. Let's just read this out loud. Let's just just replace it with his, his power works best in my weakness. Who wants God's power to move in your life? Then that means you must be weak. If I want his power, I'm going to follow this model. Does that mean I'm going to try to suffer? Believe me, you don't need to try. Like I already said, you will put yourself in that situation on your own. The devil will do it. The Lord might do it. You get to this place where it's not you, it's not the devil anymore. The Lord allows these things. He'll do it for your good. Because it says, now... I am glad, and he says, I even boast. Who brags about being weak? It's not, it's not a very common thing to brag about in this world we live in, is it? Not a common bragging point. He said, I brag about it. Because when I brag, when I'm boasting about it, he says, I want you and, and you can just do it in your own time. We don't have time. You can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul goes on. He's, by the end, he's like, you're, kinda, you're making me turn into a fool, telling you over and over again all the things I've gone through. He says, I've gone through so much. And you can read it in your own time, because we just don't have time together. But just it is worth reading through 2 Corinthians reading through these chunks of scripture where he is saying, we've been through all of these things, but we have joy. I've been through all of this, but it's for his glory. He says, we thought we would die, but I learned to rely on his grace. So it says here, it says... We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God. Verse 9, I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. And then he says, that's why, verse 10, I take pleasure. He even takes pleasure in his weaknesses And in insults, he's like, it's not just weaknesses. Let me give you a few others. In insults, hardships, this is where I was embarrassed because I'm like, Lord, I feel like sometimes we all go into trials, but I'm embarrassed to compare myself here to Paul because I believe the same concept. When I'm weak, I'm strong, but we have not faced what he faced. Again, go and read it. 2 Corinthians, just read it. He tells you every every two chapters, he's reviewing on what he's been through and that the Lord was there with him. But the same truth is there for us, that no matter what you're going through, no matter where and how you've gotten into the situation you're in, it is a chance and, in fact, an opportunity for us to find joy in the Lord, for us to take pleasure in it, because something miraculous happens happens. All of a sudden, when finally you're like, that's it. I can't do it anymore. I give up. The Lord says, finally. Finally. And all of a sudden, a strength fills you that bypasses you. It says, Christ shows up. Christ shows up. That's when his power comes. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Praise God. Praise God. Who's encouraged? Who's encouraged? I want to say this to you. Keep praying. Keep believing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. This is not about just accepting your lot in life. That's not what this sermon is. My point today, I must say this as a disclosure because sometimes, you know, we, we miss this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep praying for all of the trials. Listen, I'm aware, you know, not everybody's here today, but I'm aware of them, and I'm bringing them to the Lord. I'm with you, and I'm praying. And the Lord is with you. You're going to keep praying, keep believing, but you must understand that in the process, that's what today's about. In the meantime, until you see that victory, and that victory might be after the cross. Jesus saw his victory in death. It might take until you reach eternity to fully see all the promises fulfilled. Keep praying and believing until you see them, but trust that God's grace is what's sustaining you in this process until we obtain it. Amen. Does that make sense? Praise God. We just thank you, Lord, for this word, and I pray you'd seed it down deep inside of us. I pray, Lord Jesus, do a work in us. Lord, help us to rely on you, to trust in you, and I pray that we would look around, Lord, we would stop telling you all the things we don't have, and I pray we would be thankful like Paul was, Lord, like your word tells us to, be thankful for what we do have. I thank you, Lord, that we're still in freedom in this nation. I thank you, Jesus, we can stand here today and preach the gospel freely, and other nations cannot. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can say your name without fear that the police are going to rush in and arrest us. I thank you, Lord, for all the blessings and the victories and the mercies and the grace that we have in you. Give you glory, Jesus' name, amen.